We're back for another edition of Movie Punditry, and I'm fresh off watching uh, Watchmen, so I'm like I'm high energy, got hot takes, ready to just, just spew them all over the place. How you doing, Mr. Mahoney? Yeah, so um, I'm doing pretty good, and I don't know... Uh... I don't know I've got uh, I've got some weird feelings about the last episode of Watchmen. Um, okay, I think we could start there. We're also going to get into our movies of the decade, but let's start there since, since that's where we're at. Um, do you want to lead off? Because you sound like you got you got a lot to get off your chest. Yeah, let's roll this thing. Okay. Before we get started. Does anyone want to get out? Red 5 standing by. I am Iron Man. I am Loki of Asgard. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. I am Groove. Hello there. Yes. I'm here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. If you step out that door, you are an Avenger. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Superhero landing. She's gonna do a superhero landing. Wait for it! I could do this all day. All right, so, um... Yeah, so the, the la- we haven't talked in a couple of weeks about Watchmen, and uh, the last two episodes were interesting. Um, you know, the one the one last week, uh, which is the one where Angela, you know, took the uh, what's the what's it called? What's nostalgia. The stuff called? Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Took the nostalgia. Her grandfather's nostalgia and relived his life. I think that I think that one was amazing. Um, yes, and I don't believe I'm really qualified to talk about it. Like commentary on that episode is is probably best suited to people who understand what mm-hmm. the African American community has gone through in this country better than I do. Um, it feels like it is attempting to kind of and well done by the way explain some of the rage um, that the African American community has in this country because of the things that they've gone through both institutionally and individually um, I mean what, what would your take on that be? So that episode to me was amazing and there's a, a aspect of it I was like I, there's aspects of it I don't feel no, and nowhere's near qualified to talk on but with Hooded Justice being a black man wearing a mask and then wearing another mask that's painted on so he looks like a white man, I thought it was incredible. Incredible. And then his son seeing that and trying to do that and him have that self-hate that he has to do that and doesn't want his son to go through that was also incredible. Like, one thing that stuck out for me with this show, and I would love to know who, like, I think his the name is Lindelhoff. The, is he's a director, the producer? Damon Lindelhoff. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the he's the uh, creator and the showrunner, head writer. Um, yeah, he's basically the visionary behind the show. I would love to know who his consultants are and who he sat down 
to get perspectives on things in the African-American community because almost everything in this show as it relates to, to African-Americans has been instantly recognizable from things that my parents and grandparents would talk about for like, when I saw Hooded Justice and that rage that came out of him, I instantly recognized that's black rage. That's his superpower. Superpower is black rage. And when he's, you know, talking about, I mean, when he's putting on the, the, the multiple mask, the mask of trying to be a black police officer, of trying to be a, a black superhero, but I have to pretend to be a white man while also being homosexual and wearing that mask in front of his wife and his kids. I thought that was amazing amazing storytelling right there and it's just the show the show was amazing and i gotta give him credit to have the courage to make to not only attempt to say okay i'm going to take on the watchman and then center it around racism and white supremacy in 2019 knowing full and well what twitter culture is like what internet and social media culture is like and also the political and social climate we live in is is brave, it's genius, and it has to be commended. To me, it has to be commended. Um, but getting back to that episode, it's extremely layered. Um, it was handled phenomenally. And I think it's, I, I, all I could do is heap praise upon it. Um, I didn't have any issues with it. It was tough to watch at times. And I think it was supposed to be tough to watch at times. Cause it's supposed to make you want to confront some things. And I have to just say kudos to them for, for you know, tackling a, a subject and doing it well. Cause they could, he could have fell on his face multiple times in that episode and he didn't. It was an extremely difficult, uh, rope to walk, tight rope to walk. Uh, and I also thought, you know, this week's follow-up episode was very well done. Very well done. And I, and it's tough because I, I think not everyone's going to get it. What he's doing is not everyone's cup of tea. But a lot of the stuff I'm seeing is like, if you have a certain upbringing. So for me, my dad is very pro-black, uh, black nationalist type of guy, Black Panther, um, t- fancies himself that type of guy. So a lot of the stuff and, and very big on me knowing my history. So a lot of stuff I saw in this episode is just instantly recognizable. And for my friends who I grew up with who come from the same backgrounds, a lot of the things are instantly recognizable. And we are, we love the show. And then I hear people who didn't grow up the way we grew up and they don't get the show. They don't understand things. Um, sometimes I hear things from people like, why is it centered completely on race? And for me, it's like, because for a certain group of people in this country, race is everything. And it kind of goes back to that hooded justice thing where it's like, there's who you want to be. And then there's who society expects you to be. And then there's who you can be, which is in between those two, you know, who you want to be and who society expects you to be. There's, there's that in between space you have to find. Very few people can live and just be completely free. And now some people are saying, oh, that's easy. It's just be yourself. Eh, it's not always that way. It's not always that easy. And it was really easy to relate to him to trying to find that balance and then just being so angry and upset at the things he can't do that he wants to do. The guy just wanted to be a cop and he couldn't do his job. And then to think about how hard it must have been, not only to was a black man in that time, but even to be a gay black man. Whoo. But yeah, uh, I, I think I've been babbling on a lot. Uh, your, your thoughts. 
No, I, I don't think you've been babbling all at all. It's been it's interesting for me to hear your perspective on this. Um, and you know, my my take on this week's episode um, is that I, I I get what you're saying. I really do. But it feels to me like the show is starting to become a little one note. And I mean, and that may very well be intentional and all that they want to really talk about. But when they started to get into this week's stuff and the whole Dr. Manhattan thing, um, and that gets tied back into you know, the Cyclops and the, and the, the current group of, of, uh, of white supremacists. And it's like, it's like, oh, there's guys who are trying to bring, you know, Dr. Manhattan back because they want him to be a white supremacist or because they're white supremacists or something. It's like, I don't know. It just seems, and maybe it's because we're, there's only like one or two episodes left and they're trying to get to a point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seems like all of this is just squishing together um you know and and even in you know you know i get what you're saying about um you know for some people some people races is always on the front and it's and it's everything but sometimes it's not <laughs> and i think it's okay to have multiple forks going in the story mm-hmm. that don't necessarily have to intertwine as hard as they're intertwining or at least as fast as they're but maybe, but you know, maybe they're just trying to get to a point by the end of the season. I don't know. Um, that's tough because I, I I see where they're going, and I like where they, like I feel like for them they're trying to tell a story that everything is a circle, that all these things come back, and you know if you don't put a stop to certain things, they're just going to repeat themselves, or they're going to evolve. You know, the Calvary, you know, the Cyclops went from you know, these guys terrorizing people in the streets to a much more sophisticated way of doing things. And then I, I see they're telling a couple stories, but like you said, for the most part, everything does tie back to race. And then it's hard for me to say that there's times when it's not because like I said, I can only talk from my experiences. It's almost always there. Always. And even if you may not, for me, it's like as black man, if I don't think it's there, it's in, it's still there because my, that's been my whole life. Like I'm going to see things through that lens. Um, and it's tough because they chose to tell the story of, you know, black pain and white supremacy through one of their most popular titles. And I can tell some people like, ah, do you have to really tell this story using these characters? You don't have to, but I'm glad they did. And I don't get upset that this that's, this is what this show has centered upon. Because for me, it's like, this is a, a great to see this on TV in this way. And like, I, and I'm, I'm really unapologetic in that. Like, tell this story. Tell this story as much as you want, you know? Because for me, it's like, I'm tired of seeing slavery movies, runaway slaves, slaves uprising. Nah, this is cool. Show me this. No, and and I agree with you, and I I, just, I agree with you one hundred percent, and I'm not upset about it. Um, 
and maybe maybe I just it just seems very like kind of high concept in your face when they're bringing everything together mm-hmm. um, in in the way that they're doing it, you know. And now they're now they're pulling back in kind of the old, you know, the original Watchmen, yeah, comic, and we're hitting that a little harder now, yeah. Um, you know, I gotta and I gotta see where this goes off. You know, maybe it was just this this, you know, this one episode. Because up up until this point, I, I've been amazed by the show, including last week's episode. Now, ask question. And yeah, did you see the cow being Doctor Manhattan thing coming? No, not at all. So I didn't see it coming. What I did think was that. And be, just because somebody had mentioned to me on Twitter, like maybe sort of like you know what Cap and the Super Soldier program, like how can we rec- recreate this? I thought that that's what it was with Cal. Like okay, maybe they did an experiment on him in Vietnam where they tried to see if we can recreate Doctor Manhattan. And then something stuck out to me about him. Some of you mentioned it too, where you know when Cal said like he hated lying. And I thought about who Dr. Manhattan was. Like, from I saw the movie, because I never read the comics. I'm like, okay, maybe there's something there. Like, how how did that... Re- what was it for you when you saw, like, oh, shoot, this dude is Dr. Manhattan? Um, I think it was... I mean, it was... Yeah, it was surprising, and it was surprising that she knew it. Yeah. You know without us without even dropping a little bit of a hint and maybe you know go, going back on a rewatch we'd see you know like you do sometimes you know you completely miss something the first time you see it and then you go back and you see that no it was seated in the whole time mm-hmm. and i just didn't i just didn't catch it so um but it did completely i mean i i i've i've known that there was something really weird about cal mm-hmm. the whole time it's like you know what does this dude do for a living? And they live oh. in a really nice house and they don't live in a nice house on a cop salary. You're right. You know? And he's always missed. And he's always like super. I have to tell the truth about every little thing. Oh, like remember when he told the kid, super, about, I'm going to be super supportive of you on every little thing. Remember when he tried to describe to the kids, like, you know, uncle was, was, was born. He came from nothing. And now he's nothing again. Yeah. yeah. So, and I guess, I guess that kind of fits with, with Dr. Man, you know, maybe like, like that's one of the seeds that, you know, maybe on a, on a rewatch and a retrospect, knowing what, you know, going, you know, further, mm-hmm. you know, like stuff with Will, I bet there's stuff. If we rewatched it, I bet there's stuff with Will that knowing what you know about him now, you would, you know, would have been tele is probably telegraphed a little more than we picked up originally. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the literal elephant in the room? What the hell is going on? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's that trope about elephants never forget. Yeah. And, you know, elephants' memories and things like that. So I'm sure that has something to do with it. So can uh, Will turn into elephant? I, I never, by the way, I never thought Will was in that room. I did. Oh, I didn't. I, I was like, okay, he's, they're going to go in and they're going to pull a, a Mysterio and explain everything. Yeah, I figured it was like some kind of clone, maybe, or some kind of, you know, something synthetic. I didn't expect that. Yeah, but uh, I did. I did not expect it to be Will. And uh, um, 
So, uh, Ozymandias, he's the doctor's father? Is that where we're going? Uh, apparently. I, I think that's... Kind of an interesting little twist there. Yeah. And so, also, we're only getting one more season of this, right? I think so, yeah. That's where it's going to be really interesting. Because now, what story are you telling next season? Where is this... Do they pull off? Well, I guess I guess it's going to depend on where this ends. I mean, what do we have? One more episode? Two, two more episodes? Just two. Two more episodes. And I guess next so, week is a recap of how they met. Right. Yeah. And then one episode to really kind of push the story forward. Mm-hmm. And then see where they leave us off at. But I think, you know, really the whole point is probably this season is going to be getting Dr. Manhattan to Earth. And then... Next season is going to be whatever that is. And there was another thing that made me think. Um, I'm trying to figure out. What I, I took notes because, like, I I love this. This might be my favorite episode so far. Um, I, I didn't write it down. I don't know. This, this has been my favorite episode so far. I'm really. I like the show a lot. It's the only thing I've been able to keep up with consistently. Like, I've, I've slacked off on my CW universe shows. But this has yeah. pleased me a lot. Last week was really heavy. I needed... Uh, and I, I, I was, the change of pace was definitely uh, needed for this week. Because last week, for me, was really heavy. Um, but it, it's dope. Yeah, and, and I, I'm going to tell you. And you know, I mean, I tweeted... I messaged you or said something like, I'm just not qualified to talk about this. I mean, I understand it's not my experience, but that episode really hit me pretty hard. Yeah. You know, and I think even as a, as, as a white person looking at that, it, you know, if that episode doesn't hit you, then there's something kind of, you need to look at it inside yourself. You might be part of the Calvary. (laughs) Exactly. Um, you know, this, because you have to understand, and I do understand that these things have gone on and do continue to go on, you know, and when I, when I say it's becoming one note, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it and it shouldn't be part of the story. What I'm saying is it just seems like they're just pulling it together too quickly. Mm -hmm. And, but maybe that's just a function of the fact that they've only got two hours left to tell the story and they need to get to a certain point. But I've been watching, um, yeah, like you said, I've been actually, watching a lot of tv i soaked up a lot of stuff over the last couple of weeks um i finished up for all mankind i finished up jack ryan what else did i watch i watched the crown in about a week um yeah so there's a lot of stuff going on i've been trying to like finish up a lot of games before school starts in january so that's what's been taking up my time i've completely given up on fall jedi fallen order Really? Already? Completely given up. I don't have the patience to run across walls and die 50 times trying to jump to a ledge. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, that that that's uh, not my cup of tea. Yeah, no matter how cool the lightsabers are and that it's a Star Wars story and it's a really good Star Wars story. Nah, I went and listened to a podcast that just gave me the rest of the story. <laughs> I, I just can't overcome the bad level design. But The Mandalorian's been great. The Mandalorian's been pretty amazing. Um, 
you know, this week's episode by Bryce Dallas Howard. She did. She did it. She pulled it off. Yeah, she did. She did a good job. She did an excellent job on it. I, I, I was hoping that he got rid of the kid, but I, I mean, it's not going to happen. That's a major part. of I don't think so. No, yeah. we, we're stuck with this kid, and I think you know, I, I, I think she gave us a new meme. You know, Baby Yoda sipping her yeah. sipping his bone broth. <laughs> That's the new uh, tea sipping. Yeah. Oh, we got to Yeah, it, it's it's really good. Um. I like Gina Carano. That's one thing that that's and I get it why they're doing it, but it's bothering me that we're getting some of these cameos or these one episodes of people coming in. And I is, hope is she, is she only going to be one episode? I hope we see her again. I do because I think she pulled it off. She man. did I think really she, well. Uh, she did a good job. She was believable in that character, and and I think it was interesting. I I I got to tell you, I really loved the approach that that um, Bryce took with the battles and the the whole sequence mm-hmm. you know that was very kind of jurassic parky that you know the walker coming out of the woods yes with the red eyes and you know that that whole bit yeah they gave it, it was life it was, they gave us a personality yeah. it was an interesting kind of uh kind of switch up in the tropes but i think um it, it really kind of—I was kind of worried about it, and it really. She, I think, she really pulled it off. The episode was really good, and it was a nice little kind of distraction, you mm-hmm. know, and and typical of the genre, you know, of the the western genre, or you know, I was in this kind of Twitter battle over the not battle, but just interesting Twitter discussion over the last couple of days about you know what is what is this? Is it a western? Is it a is it a samurai film? And I think it's got elements of both. And yeah. those two genres, those two genres are very interwoven. Yeah, they overlap. You know, um, you know guys like Kurosawa um, really were influenced by guys like John Ford and the Westerns of the, you know, the first half of the 20th century. And then when they started making samurai films like, you know, um, like the ones he did with Toshiro Mifune, you know, they – and these Ronin films, these lone samurai films, which led to the influence of like guys like Sergio Leone doing the the Man with No Name films, you know, th- those two genres are really interwoven, and this takes the best parts I think of both of those genres and really kind of um, makes it interesting. So this is very much kind of like a, you know, that that um, you know, Seven Samurai going yeah, down yeah. to two people saving the village from the from the marauders kind of deal you know um magnificent seven for those of you who are familiar with curacao films but it's still that same that same genre that same idea and um which has been seen over and over again in film and tv and they're they're doing it so well in this it's funny you say you got a twitter argument because i i got no i got a like full-blown argument and some guys like oh i can't believe only one woman and, and the only person in the village know how to shoot was a woman this is feminism and we're going back and forth. Finally, somebody chimed in. I was like, have you not watched these old Western movies where the only person in the town that knows how to shoot properly is the old widow because her husband's gone and she has to fend for herself and kill coyotes and things like that coming into the, you know, killing the herd. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then so me and the other guy like, yeah, you just don't get it then. This is, you just don't want to know. Yeah, you don't want to know. This is that had nothing to do with feminism. Yeah, that's stupid. Uh, it was dope. I hope we get Gina Carano. You know, I, I wish they did. Like, I don't. They don't do previews for the next week, right? You just get what you get. You just get what you get. 
that's cool. And I do like, I'm glad this wasn't something that just, they dropped every episode on us in one day. I don't think it would have worked as well. This, Netflix spoiled us, but I like this, you know, traditional one episode a week. You know, watch it. give, And it gives us people something to talk about and give more time for like a, a digestion of this show. Right. And I wonder what if some like a show like Luke Cage would have benefited from not everything coming at once. Because I remember like uh, Netflix would say they would cite like social media engagement as like a metric that they would use. And then one of the things they use with uh, Luke Cage, I mean, we all know it's because they lost the, the Marvel stuff, but they they cited like, oh, well, it's social media engagement was down to like 50% on season two. So I wonder if some of those Netflix shows would have benefited from just, you know what, we'll just put this out every week versus all at one time. I think they absolutely wouldn't. I think you're going to see more and more of that. The, that creators are realizing and the networks are realizing that the, not, not only from a creative point of view, but also from a business point of view, that the drop a whole season at once thing is not really working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of had its thing. I think that works for like a super short series, like maybe six, seven episodes. And maybe even then you don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to work. I I think the storytelling benefits from, you know, especially from certain shows, it benefits from having time to ruminate on what you just saw. You know, think about it. Maybe watch the episode again. Yep. Listen to, you know, read a recap, listen to a podcast, you know, talk about it with people. Get on, get on, get on Reddit and beat your head against the wall. You know, <laughs> I like. I don't work the next couple of days. I'm gonna go back and watch Watchmen this week. That is my goal. Because there's I, now I want to see like what did I miss here or, or what looks different now with what I know. Like I'm looking forward to that. Versus you know I remember when um, I think it was like season one of Luke Cage dropped. I was had the flu, but I tried to watch that and I didn't enjoy it the same way. Granted, I have a choice to watch it that way. But when you, if you give me the whole pizza pie, of course I'm going to try to eat it right then and there. I don't want to warm it up later. So I, right, I, exactly. I, I like this this style. Well, I mean, this, this is what we've been watching. This is what we've been watching TV for most of our lives. So what can I say? This style, like it's new. Um, the end of a decade. Are you ready for that? Yeah, yeah. This is kind of the the main gist of what we're we're doing here. All right. Uh, so you want we just go. Eat. We'll both do start of the year. Yeah, so, of our yeah, so guys, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of recap since we've uh, we're coming to the end of the, of the decade. We're gonna re recap um, like our favorite movies from the last ten years, like one movie a year. And uh, I, I don't know how you approach the list. I approach the list that was uh, not necessarily the best films, but they were my favorite films, the films that I go back to, the films that I'll rewatch, that I could fully acknowledge that there maybe there's better films that year like technically or whatever but these are the ones that i love it's exactly the way i did it it's exactly the way i did it what do you got for your first film um okay so so this is to and the and by the way there may be a couple of these years there may be some runners up (laughs) (laughs) and honorable mentions um so the first year was uh 2010 
and uh, this may surprise you. I don't know, but I uh, I have Shutter Island. Really? Yeah, I love that movie. Wow! I did not think you were gonna go there. Completely caught me off guard. I went Inception. I, yeah, you know, I was. Uh, that was very. Cl- that was a very close one for me. I was back and forth between the two of those. Um, a lot, and it could have probably gone that way as well. Um, but but for me, I just think I just think Shutter Island caught me so off guard at the end mm-hmm. that. I just found it a more kind of enjoyable, like like Inception was thoughtful, but it didn't really surprise me. Yeah, Shutter Island, you know that twist at the end of Shutter Island really surprised the hell out of me. And then you go back and you watch the movie, knowing what you know at the end of it, and it's a it's almost a completely different movie. For me, I was like on a Chris Nolan kick back then. Like to me, everything yeah. he did was gold, and I, I loved it. it was phenomenal. And then you know how he used a lot of the same people he used in Batman Begins. Right. The other two that really like it could have went either way, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which I, I, it's one of my all time favorite movies, and The Town. And I mean, even right now, I'm kind of like, dang, did I really pick Inception over The Town? But I, it just came down to just how much I just would rewatch and rewatch Inception, looking for any clue that would let me know which what did that coin do when the credits started rolling. Right. But yeah, that was that's for 2010. That was my film. Uh, yeah, and that that's fine, man. I mean, that is definitely it's a great film. Um, it is definitely very thought provoking and really well done. You know, I mean, Nolan uh, Nolan was no joke, man. He was at the height of his powers that whole during that whole period there. Yeah. So for 2011, I went Harry yeah. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Did you really? Yes, I love. I didn't know you were that. I didn't know you were that big. Uh... I have read every book multiple times. I pre-ordered Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. Um, I loved it, and I remember just reading it back to back to back. And then the film was one of the few films for me that it didn't like meet the the same level of the book, but they they got really close. So yeah, yeah, Harry Potter and Deadly Hallows Part Two. Well, that's awesome. All right, so for me, um, there's a lot of stuff to choose from. I mean, you know, you had Rise of the Planet of the Apes in there. Uh-huh. You had Contagion, which I love. Contagion, I love that film. I'm a huge, huge Steven Soderbergh fan. Uh, fan and that one, you know, um, X Men First Class, which I really love. You have Thor and Captain America. I mean, it's just so much to choose from. But for me, it was there's only one choice. And that is clearly Green Lantern. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Margin Call. Margin Call is another underlooked movie in that year that if you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. It's really fantastic. But for me, it is uh, Moneyball. I completely love Moneyball. I've never seen it. Are you serious? Yeah, 100%. As big a sports fan as you are, you've never seen it? I. One day we'll get into how my love of baseball waned. Well, mine mine has too. Yeah, but uh, this is really—I mean, Brad Pitt is so great in this. Jonah Hill is so great in this film. Um, 
it's just uh, it's just really not only is it interesting, but it's just really well done and really well acted. What was your like runner up? What was the the one that was kind of tough? Probably Contagion. Okay. For me, it was Captain America and Drive. Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah. All right. So, what you got for two thousand and twelve? Um, two thousand and twelve for me is uh, yeah. This is actually a pretty easy one. I don't know if you're gonna like this one though, but it's uh, it's the Avengers. I love that movie. Oh, brother. <laughs> Are there better films? Yeah, there's a lot better films that year, but. Ask me which one I'm going to watch twice a year. It's definitely the Avengers. <laughs> which one I could quote word for word, probably the whole script. Yeah, it's definitely the Avengers. That movie didn't just, I don't know, it didn't hit with me the way it did for everybody else. I, I don't know, maybe because I was like, I was like really a fanboy back then. And I was like, oh, this isn't better than The Dark Knight Rises. Which funny, right. that movie doesn't hold up as well as Avengers does. Um, no, it didn't hold up as well then. Well, I was a big Bane fan, so I guess it for me it did. I um I went Life of Pi. I, I love that film. Did you really? That yes. surprised me. I thought you were gonna go like Men in Black Three or something. Oh my god! No, I thought you liked that movie. Didn't we have that conversation? I, I like I it. I, I know I hate that movie. I like it. It just it was definitely wasn't gonna you know. Heck, I I rather watch Jack. Well, you know I do like Jack Reacher a lot, but not nah, yeah. it's definitely Life of Pi for me. That's that's when I was like really into watching like a lot of different movies. Now it's pretty much come down to like superhero movies, right? Uh, two thousand, and it, for me there wasn't like a runner up for that year. Um, you know, I think you know two thousand thirteen. What I'm gonna say? Oh, I know exactly what you're gonna say. I I am not going to say that one, but I know which one you're gonna say. Man of Steel. Absolutely. Doesn't surprise me at all. I walked out of the theater and my conviction has only grown strong that it is a top five comic book movie. Primarily for the basis that for an origin story, they handled that thing perfectly. It, I didn't start out and like spend a half an hour, 40 minutes in Krypton and have all this stuff going out. No, they gave me these flashbacks and all these different parts of his life. I thought the fight was Zod at the end was spectacular. I don't care when people complain, oh, he destroyed the city. Yes, they're two alien super human beings fighting. What is, what is that fight supposed to look like? Exactly. Also, the dude just got the suit like two days ago. He can't just hurt everybody away and save them. Fantastic. And then I don't know what the heck happened on Batman versus Superman. But fantastic film. If you could find that. This is my conspiracy theory. That movie worked because Chris Nolan was the executive producer. I could be wrong, and his name just attached to it, and he had nothing to do with it. But that's just my 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 theory. And I'm not surprised at all. And and I almost had a another. I almost had a film on on the list here where uh, two behemoths destroyed a city while fighting. But <laughs> um, you know my my spirit animal, Stacker Pentecost. But. Uh, <laughs> But I didn't, uh, I didn't go with that, and I went with Gravity. I, I love Gravity. That it's was a really good film. Favorite movies of all time. It just, and and I, I was, that's one of the few films that I saw 
in a theater in 3D IMAX. It was worth every nickel of it and every minute wearing those glasses because it was so incredibly shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you felt every minute of it. And it was, you know, such a tightly paced movie. Um, such a, you know, it's the film, is, it's almost in real time. It's very thought provoking. It's very uh, heart pounding. I just, I love the film to death. No, I agree with you. A um, couple of the movies that really stood out for me that year. Iron Man 3, which I like way more than I think almost anybody else does. <laughs> Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. I like, you know what? I really like Monsters University. I Did could, you really? I, I could watch that movie any day of the week. Um, I hated The Great Gatsby. I feel like I wasted time. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, like, I didn't like that either. Now You See Me was really good. Oblivion yep. was good. Yep. Elysium was good. Uh, yep. Grown Ups 2 was actually horrendous. And G.I. Joe Retaliation wasn't bad. Yeah. It was, there was some, some really good small films, too. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Fruitville, Sta- Fruitville Station. Oh, yeah. Um, you had Prisoners. You had um, Inside Llewellyn Davis. You know, those were all really small films that not, not a lot of people saw. But yeah. They were all really tremendous films. And um, you know what? We're the Millers is like one of those movies that comes on like TNT, TBS. If there's nothing yeah. like else on, you can sit around and watch and, you know, it's not bad. Yeah. And then, and then of course, also you had 12 Years a Slave that year, which was, you know, such an impactful, powerful movie. I'm fine never seeing it again, but it, you can't say it wasn't a fantastic movie. Yeah. And yeah. and I'm fine. And when I say I'm fine never seeing it again, it's because it makes me uncomfortable. Yes, which it's is one of those films, like, which is what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Like I think once you've you've seen it once, and it does the job it's intended to do. Exactly. You know, there's there are movies like that. Like Schindler's List is another one. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go back and rewatch it. It's, a, it's an incredible film. I'm not going back and rewatching it every year. You know what? It's like last week's episode of Watchmen for me. I don't have to see that again. It, it did right. the job. Uh, 2014, what do you have? Number this one. Was the, this was probably the hardest year for me. Uh-huh. Because um, there, there were just so many great films in this year. Um, and I was really back and forth between two of them. Actually, really back and forth between the three of them. Yeah. You know, but before I even get there, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got. Well, I'll just say my pick. My pick is uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Wow. Well, that's, you know, and again, this is this is my favorite, not my best. Yeah. Um, But but Interstellar could have been there for me. Um, Edge of Tomorrow could have been there for me. Nightcrawler could have been there for me. Whiplash could have been there for me. You know, there's a lot of really great movies in this year. So, for 2014, I went Interstellar. Um, still on my oh, Nolan kick. I didn't even think of this, and I'm going to stick with it. But man, Fury, Fury is another incredible film. Um, I just, I could. That's another one I can watch all the time, even though. It's, what three hours long? Interstellar, yeah, yeah, and and still trying to figure out how they with if I mean I know it's BS, but they're they're science on that. Uh, and you know how I feel about Captain America: Winter Soldier. It's probably to me 
it's top three Marvel movie ever. It's but I just it's just I don't know that movie's just great. Interstellar is an awesome, awesome movie. It is absolutely. I you know what? As like I'm going through this list again, I, I remember going to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I was pissed off. <laughs> and I'm just like, please don't let Michael Bay touch any of these '90s properties ever again. Uh, what else is up here? Oh, American Sniper. I love that film. And Edge of Tomorrow wasn't bad. You know, Tom Cruise gets a lot of flack. He's made some pretty good movies. I was, and you know, Mission Impossible has been steady films, but he's done some things that are good. Yeah, and and Edge of Tomorrow is really a fantastic film. It's yeah. an interesting concept. You know, is it on a, yeah, it's, it's a bought IP and that's fine. But what they did with that film, one that, you know, they took this IP like that nobody had ever heard of. Like we were talking, what was the last, we were talking about Snowpiercer, right? Yep. This, this, this IP that nobody had ever heard of, you know, the same thing with this, you know, uh, come from a, I think it was a graphic novel, right? Or a comic book, all, all you need is kill. And uh, just this twist on, it was kind of like, you know, Groundhog Day. Yep. But, you know, in wartime, kind of, you know, it's like you combine Groundhog, Groundhog Day with uh, Starship Troopers and you have this film. Uh, it's really, really interesting. Okay, so for 2015, I think I know what you're going to say. You do? Uh, let's see. Let's see if you can. Uh, the March. Yes, what my pick is. Yes, absolutely. You got me. Because I remember I said I hadn't seen it, and you, like, I thought you were going to lose your mind and cuss me out. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it must be that good. And it was. It was really, really good. Um, I ended up, and I went for the same movie, too, for 2015. You went with The Martian? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just, for me, it's just so much fun. I just loved it. I loved the book. I You know, I read the book before I saw the movie, and it's just... Uh, you know, just the way Damon is, the way all the you know everybody, Chirtel for and Jeff Daniels and everybody—they're just so fantastic in the film. And it's just you know it's serious, but it's lighthearted, and there's a lot of great moments in it. I just really enjoyed it. And this is the year, you know, this is the year Sicario, and I really like Sicario. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Like I'm looking. Oh, this was this was like I would say this is probably Marvel's their one. I don't want to say blunder, but like misstep was Age of Ultron. Ultron? But you know they they rectify it with everything else that comes after it. Ant Man was good. We saw that together. Um, Creed, which that movie surprised the heck out of me because I, I when I first heard it, like what they're doing a Creed film? This is gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, and so it's just so smart. He put the hands of his franchise. He put the franchise in somebody else's hands. And then I didn't. I don't think any of us thought Michael B. Jordan would be, you know, what he is now. Uh, so that easily, I don't say it's my favorite, but it was, it was a really, it was a star making movie. Yeah. Another, another film that could have easily made my top film this year was Everest. That's another one that I probably watch at least once a year. Um, oh, I did that. Was, was that with Josh Brolin? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I saw that. That was good. In 2016, my number one, my favorite films, Moana. Um, it was the f- first film that 
my son, I think my son was one, and he, and he, and it's weird, like, he understood that film, he got it, he loved it, at one years old, he's laughing at the jokes, and maybe he didn't, it just, he just thought Sarah so was funny, but seeing look, him love look, that film. He, look, he's too young for Deadpool, man. <laughs> you know, I still haven't even seen that film. Really? Yeah. Never had any interest whatsoever. Oh, and I loved it. Like, it was great. The, the songs were incredible. The Rock surprised the heck out of me. Um, with his talky slash singing, you know, stylistics. Yeah. Uh, would you have? You know, I was actually pretty close to putting Moana on my list, um, just because I I've probably seen it the most out of any of the films from this year. You know, because yeah. because of, of my grandsons and I have it. You know, I have the soundtrack on my phone and we just play we play it in the car all the time. Um, a lot of great movies this year. Hella High Water is really a fantastic film. Um, Arrival's really great. Yeah. You know, Captain America Civil War is a really great film. Um, until? Yeah, until the last 10 minutes. You know, I, I actually watched it like two days ago, and I just was like, I almost stopped it at that point. <laughs> um, but I, uh, the one on my list is Rogue One. Okay. And that, that almost did it for me. Almost did it. Um, you know, just, just a different kind of star wars movie yeah you know um you know it was kind of experimental they didn't know we didn't know what we were getting you know a star wars movie that wasn't a saga movie that didn't have any of the big characters in it that was telling a different story a war movie a darker movie um and man for me it just it delivered it hit on all cylinders i don't think there's there's a bad minute in there and that last that third act is maybe my favorite 30 minutes of Star Wars. I mean, it's just incredible. Did you know Vader was going to be in that? Did I what? Did you know Vader was going to be in that? No. Okay. I I knew Vader was going to be in it. I did not know we were going to get that. Vader. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that's the Vader that I've been waiting for. You know, that's the Vader in the video games. That's the Vader in the books and the comics. You know, Vader that everybody's terrified from the the death machine uh, the merciless murder machine Vader and uh, you know we hadn't seen that in the film you know certainly not a new hope I mean to think about you know oh gosh think about I mean if you think about the timeline he goes from you know that you know two days later he's you know poking an old man with a stick (laughs) They're going to need to provide me with an explanation for why that fight with Obi-Wan went down the way it did. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think I read something somewhere. They were like, look, you know, he was just kind of adjusting to what he knew Obi-Wan was at that point or something. And I guess there's some validity to that, but you know, he didn't, he didn't want to just, you know, he, he could have taken Obi-Wan out about five seconds, you know, but yeah. he didn't want to do that. You know, he wanted to draw it out. So, all right, 2017. I actually I have a tie. I couldn't pick just one. It's actually a three way tie. Well, you can't do that. That's against the rules. Okay, you gotta so pick one. It's got to be Get Out number one, then. Really? Yeah. And I hate hate horror movies with a passion. But it wasn't a traditional horror movie. Like, it wasn't blood and guts all over the place. I wouldn't even call it a horror movie. Yeah, I call it like a suspense movie. 
I, I loved know, it. Like a like a psychological thriller. Yeah. I, I thought it was it was great. And then the other two films that made it difficult for me were The Last Jedi and Blade Runner. And I'd never seen Blade Runner. I always heard about it and read about it. And then seeing it, I was like, yo, this is dope. So th- those are my movies for 2017. What do you yeah. have? Well, I also had three. <laughs> um, and the two that I had to unfortunately pull off uh, are Logan and, okay. and Ragnarok. You know, Ragnarok, oh, yeah. as you know, is like probably my favorite Marvel movie. And uh, so that was a tough cut, but I went for Blade Runner. Um, only because, you know, I've been deeply invested in Blade Runner since the 80s. You know, to me, Blade Runner is, is a, you know, the original Blade Runner is a perfect film um, in its kind of final version, the ultimate cut version. And um, it's one of the best you know, science fiction movies ever made, if not the mm-hmm. best science fiction movie ever made. And I think that that 2049 is a it's a worthy follow-up to it. Um, you know, that movie is deep on so many levels that unfortunately a lot of people don't understand. And, you know, things like when they say, well, this movie's got a problem with women. It's like, no, it doesn't. This, this world that the movie is showing has a problem yes. with women. And that's what they're showing. Yeah. You know, just things like that. But um, yeah, I just really love this movie. Plus, it's it's just gorgeous. It, it is, is beautiful. Gorgeous. It is a beautiful film. Um, 2018. It was one clear cut winner for me, and there was never any other doubt. Black Panther. Let me let me let me let me think about this for a second. <laughs> one clear cut winner for you. And there's not any other doubt. Um, let's see. Incredibles 2? No, maybe not. Um, Stars Born? I know you love that one. Um, Tell yeah. me something, girl. <laughs> Black Klansman? No, maybe not that <laughs> one. I'm close, though. Uh, smelling it. Smells like vibranium. Yes, it does. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was I'm not surprised. I, I loved it. Um I loved it. Infinity War was very, very good. But if it, if it was I have issues with the pacing. I have issues with how little we saw of Cap. And I get it why they did it. What really bothered me was the marketing. And I know that the filmmakers and the marketing are not always on the same page. Very rarely on the same page. But I just remember, like, the, what was the tagline? Like, a, a, a universe once in a for all or something like that. Something about the universe finally coming together. That's not what we got. You know, and then I, to me, that's one of my biggest complaints about this the whole Infinity Saga. I didn't get all these people. Yeah, well, at the funeral. That's it. Because the only time I got all these people together. Like, where was well, this? You got them in, the, in the battle. No, I wanted these people all together at one time, making jokes on each other, introducing oh, them. That that is what I want. That's what everybody wants. I think it's what we deserve. I don't want. Let me not sound like that entitled fan, but that's what I wanted, and I. And that's what I thought from the marketing that we were going to get, and we didn't. 
Right. Um, but I, that's not what kept it out of the top spot for me. It's just I just thought Blackfield was phenomenal. And you said it your best. It seemed as if everybody involved knew what the stakes were and that they had to just hit it out of the park. And they Absolutely. did it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there there's there is so much love in that movie and so much weight in that movie. Um, and even when you talk to everybody, you know, who's in that movie, Coogler and, you know, and Chadwick Boseman and, and, you know, all the actors and stuff like that, they knew what they were doing and they knew what they were getting into. They knew what the stakes were. Um, and, and they pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Has it got some plot issues? Yep. Yep. Did it run out of some effects money? Yep. <laughs> but that's, that's minor compared to what this film pulled off uh, in terms of its story, in terms of its import into this universe, in terms of what it did for black filmmakers across the board. Um, you know, and, you know, what it did for Goranson. Uh, we, boy. Both, we both love him. Um, you know, so, yeah, I completely get where you're coming from with this film and I, I support your decision hundred percent. What do you have? What's your favorite? So mine is probably going to be really surprising for you. Um, Mission but this Impossible is a, what's that? Mission Impossible. I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. Do you? Yep. All right. So I'm going to tell you that this is a film that I had to watch it twice. Actually, I watched it the first time and I stopped watching it. And I had to go back to it and push through it. And once I realized what I was watching, this film, this film just blew me away. It is a love letter to storytelling. It is a love letter to filmmaking. Um, it is just an incredible movie. And it is, it is, I don't know if this is what you guessed. What do you get? What do you think it is? Okay. So once you started talking, I was completely wrong. Okay. Um, I had first man. Nope. And then I remember, I realized you were talking about Roma. I am talking about Roma. What is this movie about? So uh, this movie is just a story. Ostensibly, it's just a story about uh, a young girl who's a domestic servant in a middle-class Mexican household. Yeah. That's it. It's a very intimate story. But, um, but, but what happens is Coron make uses he uses epic an epic visual language to tell this really small intimate story okay so you have these big sweeping vista one it's all in black and white but you have this it's such a clear and crisp black and white and you have this these long takes and these beautiful vistas and he sets these tableaus up where you know so so in in most films today you know the camera is very diegetic you know it points you at what you're supposed to look at you know the camera is your narrator mm-hmm. and it tells you this is important it shows you a guy's face it shows you a, an, an action sequence it shows you something happening and you're supposed to watch that and what 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 Corone does in this is he steps back and he paints a tableau and there's stuff happening all across it. And you need to, you, it's like watching a play, you know, there's things going on in different parts of the stage and you're the one who's deciding what you're going to look at and what you're going to watch and what's important. That's you know, there's, cool. there's, there's, 
there's this main setting in the house where you can literally see into four rooms from this one vantage point and there's stuff happening in all of those rooms and so you're like kind of going from room to room to room and watching what's going on and, and piecing it all together and he does these long takes um that are just that are just incredible you know he holds the camera longer than you would expect he he does these one takes these one shots that are like minutes long um and it's just it's such this beautiful storytelling to just tell this this simple unimportant story about this this young girl and the people around her and this family you know that's that's kind of tearing itself apart just because of life and you know so imagine you know this the scope of Lawrence of Arabia just to tell the story about this little this little nothing family in a middle class neighborhood in, in any city anywhere it's just it's incredible damn now I gotta and watch I'm, it I'm rambling <laughs> no, you just sold it very well um yeah now I gotta watch this thing so here's the tricky part 2019 it's not yeah, it's not over it ain't over and yet we haven't seen everything so no. my 2019 so far is endgame okay that being said i still haven't seen the irishman uh i, I have seen, i haven't seen joker i haven't seen we know we have we haven't seen ride of skywalker i haven't seen four versus ferrari I don't think Gemini Man is going to make the cut. I haven't seen Ad Astra. And those are some couple films I think could probably push, possibly push Endgame out. Yeah. But you know what was surprisingly good? Alita Battle Angel was good. What is it? I got to watch it. Um, and The Lighthouse. I want to see The Lighthouse. I want to see our future Batman in action. Well, I don't know if there's a lot of action in that film. Oh, you know, I want to see what it is. What I think what it's two guys, two, two, two guys sitting around talking. <laughs> And you know what? Detective Pikachu wasn't bad. That was really good. Which one? Detective Pikachu. Really? Yeah. It's one of those things like your kids, your kids or grandkids are going to make you watch it and you're like, hey, this is okay. All right. I'll have to take your word on that. Yeah. So, we, so mine, uh, you know, um, Endgame is, is up there, obviously, because, uh, you know, it's a great movie. And it was very impactful. It was the end of this kind of saga. I love the music. I love the acting. I love kind of everything about it. The Irishman, yeah, we could talk about. Um, I'm going to say I wasn't super impressed with it. Um, but for me, it's going to be right now, without having seen The Joker, without having seen Star Wars. Um, with, for me, it's Ford versus Ferrari. This movie's great. This movie is freaking great. I, I just I figured it would. Christian Bell doesn't pick a lot of bad movies, and neither does Matt Damon. Um, and so I, I definitely gotta get. I haven't been with this one. I gotta get out and see this. Yeah, it's 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 just it's just really well done. You know, James Mangold, um, coming off Logan, directed it. This movie got passed around a little bit. Michael Mann was was developing it for a while so it's got a lot of his flavor to it 
apparently, I, I think Tom Cruise was attached at one point, which makes no sense whatsoever. Really? For either one of these characters. For either one of these characters. You know, one, because uh, I could see him, I could see him doing the Ken Miles role from like a acting point of view, but I've heard him do accents. Yeah. Um, and I just think it would be distracting. And, you know, Carol Shelby is like this larger than life, big Texan. And, you know, Tom Cruise is a midget. You know, I just. Yes. Yes, he is. I just don't see him pulling that off, um, regardless of how well he did Jack Reacher. But this, you know, Matt Damon was made for this film. And uh, these two guys together have a really great chemistry. Uh, Katrina Belfe is, uh, she's really fantastic. The supporting cast is all great. Um, the, the racing scenes are beautifully shot. The movie's funny. The movie's heartwarming. Um, it's, it's. It's this great story. It's of of like these two guys. Like it's like this bromance without I mean it's got a lot of testosterone in it, but it's not like over the top, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's it's really the story in his heart is really about these two guys. And the friendship that the, the deep love and friendship that these two guys and respect that these two guys have for each other. And that's really the heart of the movie. The racing stuff is great, but that's not what the movie's about. The movie's about these two guys. And I think you're going to really like it. I do well, then. And plus you, plus you get to see you get to see Batman and Jason Bourne in a fist fight. <laughs> oh, man. I, I really hope this dude doesn't make and, me And I'm going to tell man. you, the trailer, the trailer does not do just film justice. Because the trailer makes you think this film is about stuff that it's not about. Well, I'm excited to see it. I just I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I, I'm maybe I'm gonna tell you offline one thing when we're done okay. that just really blew me away about this movie. All right, so I think that's a we'll, we'll have to revisit this uh, the first of the year, the 2019 yeah. stuff because I'll probably watch The Irishman this weekend. Um. But yeah, I think that was. A, I think we had a pretty good list for this. Yeah, I'd be interested to get your take on the Irishman. I I have a very strong take on the Irishman, but I'd be interested to to talk to you about it and see what you think of it. Okay, so I guess, folks, that's what we'll be talking about next week: the Irishman, among um, other things. We're gonna start leaning into Star Wars pretty soon too. Oh yeah, we're we're in that season. Ooh, yeah, a couple less of weeks than a month. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like three weeks. And I'm going to find a way to be there opening night. You don't have tickets yet? No. No, I don't. You have tickets at all? Not not a single one. Oh, wow. Yeah, we have tickets for uh, Saturday morning, I think. So I'm going to go into hibernation Thursday night. Yeah. And uh, you won't see me at all on Friday. And then uh, I'm going to call in sick and stay in bed. And then, <laughs> uh, and then I'll come out of my cocoon Saturday morning. Sounds good. And then we'll talk that afternoon all right sounds like a plan all right folks thank you for listening to movie punditry anything you want to leave the folks with before we get out of here um go see ford versus ferrari watch some uh watch some tv if you if you can watch first man uh, not first man watch uh um for all mankind it is really great 
Um, it's not over yet. I think, oh, it's still got, what, two episodes left this season? They're another one. They're dropping it weekly. So I think there's two episodes left. Um, but it's really interesting idea. You know, this kind of alternate history about what would happen if the space race continued. Mm-hmm. If the Soviets were better than they were. Good thing that didn't really happen. Yeah. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. All right. Talk to you later. Peace out.